It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans? The NFL Draft is two. That's right. There's two days. Only two days until the NFL Draft. <laughs> almost exactly two days from the time of this recording. By the time you listen to this, it'll be a little bit less than two days. And in other extremely exciting news, Joe and I are happy to announce that this episode is sponsored. And it's sponsored by Abco Safety. Go check them out online. That's abcosafety.com. They have a host of safety industrial products, service customers and industries all over, manufacturing, construction, environmental, food services, and more. We'll have more on that around the break. So if you have any needs for safety equipment, stay tuned for a discount code and some of the products that... Safety uh, first, guys. Safety first. And some of the products that, that are new and exciting. Anyway, also new and exciting today is uh, Dave Lapham and Dan Horde went on the internet and talked about who the Bengals would pick if they had it their way. Also, we have a Mock Madness update. And finally, we will have the what will the Bengals do as far as we can project it based on what we think and what we know Mock Draft. Yep. So let's I'm going to try with- and make this different, though, because I also have a, my final Mock Draft coming out for The Athletic on Thursday morning. So I'm not going to try and make it exactly that, but I've really started to focus on a few players, especially in the mid-rounds. And yours is going to be what well they do? Yeah. Well, this is my prediction. Mine on Thursday is Your not prediction. what I would do. It's my prediction. Okay. Forecasting. Yes. Well, we've already done our evaluator mock draft, so that's already right. out there. Also, over at The Athletic Today, since we're speaking about it, Joe's top five at each position is out. That's the top five that we've put together on our shared board this year. And you're going to see that, like, Josh Jacobs isn't on the list for running backs. And Joey Bosa, is he on the list even for defensive end? He is, but he's number four for defensive end. Barely on the list. A lot of people's hands down best prospect in the draft, number four for defensive ends. And, again, this is all because we're incorporating production athleticism, consistency, data into the process to add risk uh, flags, essentially, and incorporate that into the score. Right. And I try to explain all that, and I don't know if I'm successful at it, but I try to explain it and give examples under each ranking, each player, uh, not player, position, I should say, because I don't talk about every player in there, but in each position and say why this guy may be higher than expected or why someone else may be out of the top five. So, uh, go check that out, and I'm open for discussion, especially on this and how we're doing this uh, draft board, which you'll get tomorrow, plus what I think the Bengals board looks like. Yeah, and the Bengals board, I think, is going to be very different than yours. If you listen to Dave Lapham, they still have Mac Wilson as a second-round uh, second round linebacker. That sounds gross. Yeah, it's not what we would want. So let's talk Mock Madness, our first finalist. In the mock madness process, the the one seed, Ed Oliver. Yeah, yeah, I think this makes sense. I think we've talked about him a lot. Fans have really come around to the idea. I think it's even easier for Bengals fans to say, "Yeah, give me another Geno Atkins." Right. So Oliver make, getting all the way to the finals makes perfect sense to me. It, he really didn't get close to anyone. Jo- even Josh Allen, he won with some distance there, yeah. and he beat Dwayne Haskins in this past matchup. 
65% to 35%. There's, there's still an hour left of voting when we're recording this, but we don't expect that to get much closer. It actually has gotten less close, I think, as the day has gone on. When I checked it earlier, I think it was 38% Dwayne Haskins. So the late votes, the late recording, reporting precincts have it for Ed Oliver. Right. And I think it's going to, it's close enough to call at this point. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the election's over and it's Ed Oliver. Um, so, CBS so our, News is reporting right. <laughs> Ed Oliver. Yeah. yeah. No, we, we are a trusted source for this. So uh, Oliver is. <laughs> Anyways, the next matchup is probably going, in my opinion, going to be the biggest landslide we've had. And that's because we're at the end. And I think it comes to, uh, you know, you're not going to get so many people talking about a tight end and, and TJ Hawkinson and Hawkinson's still here. You guys have voted for him a few times to beat players like Montez Sweat and, and Noah Fant. So he's, he's risen to the final four, but I think this is definitely the end of him as he goes against LSU's Devin White, who beat Devin Bush in the last round. Maybe we gave him the easiest path to the final four. We wanted the matchups though. I mean, yeah, I guess I did if like I had Bush end up here and the matchup would eventually got there, but especially last round, it was, Nice to see Bush versus White, and White won easily. So I guess we shouldn't have had Bush there anyways. I guess not. So here we go. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Devin White or is it going to be TJ Hawkinson? The undisputed, I think, at this point. I think think those that would argue for Noah Fant have kind of backed off and kind of concede that TJ Hawkinson is a more complete prospect, even if he's not the 100th percentile athlete. He's, what, the 95th or is he the 98th? He's, He's still a really there, good though. athlete. Yeah. And he has the whole the whole package on tape from blocking. He has better hands than Fant. That is an undisputed fact. He's Versus, a pretty perfect tight ends prospect. Yeah. Honestly. Perfect. If you drew up, you say, okay, what do I want? I want production. I want athleticism. I want size. I want him to be a really good natural receiver with natural hands and a good route runner. And I want him to be able to block. Well, here's yep. TJ Hawkinson. Have fun. And I mean, he, he's pretty much... The only thing that you would want that he doesn't have is a little bit more speed because then he's George Kittle. Sure, right. And that would be awesome. But right, he runs a, a 4.7 flat. You want to be anywhere faster than a 4.75. So he passes the threshold. 4.7 still fast. 4.7 still beating all our linebackers down the field. And, and the really interesting thing that I think we've talked about is, or maybe I heard this on a different podcast. I can't remember now. Tight ends are a lot of times schemed open. So yeah. four seven, you're gonna be able to do the job if you can catch and you can run routes. And then you know you have Noah Fan who runs in the four fours, was it or four fives? Yeah, four five zero, I believe. Four five flat. Anyway, it's gonna be T.J. Hawkinson against the apparently your the listeners number one linebacker in Devin White, and he's you know he's probably he is our number one linebacker too, but it's really close. With, for him and Bush, yeah. White and Bush. And I think the biggest reason the White comes out on top for us is production. Yes, and that is what splits them. Uh, White is in all-pro level production. So everything is on his side. The tape is good enough. You can nitpick it, but the tape is passable in terms of I don't have any lasting issues with it's his development. Passable, right? Let's, let's what, frame that differently so that it's more you think understandable. So? He is good on tape. He's got issues in terms of being a little bit wild, being more of a chase and tackler rather than a guy who anticipates it and reads it and gets there first. Uh, so he wins with his athleticism, and without it, he would probably not be a good linebacker at all, to be honest with you, because he is so instinctual and and uh, reacting rather than being the aggressor. Do you agree, Throws Jake? out here throwing darts. No, I, I don't disagree. I, I okay. agree. I mean, he, he, he is what he is, right? But I think that we've talked about this a lot. I think that you can attribute some of that, at least, maybe not all of it, but some of that to the way that he's coached at LSU. I, I think you can. And I that doesn't mean, and listen, he's played running back in other positions leading into college, and uh, I think there's still development to go. And you want to take a guy that's, even with those issues, he was super productive. Okay, and he's a freak athlete at, at linebacker. You want that. You want that combination of saying he's got superstar potential in all phases of, of testing and measurables for the for this process. So I have no problem with him being linebacker number one. If you want to say the tape's better for Bush, I'm not gonna argue you, to be honest with you. I'm not gonna argue it at all. If you say you like Bush's power a little bit more and his anticipation and reading keys and getting to the spot be, before White, I wouldn't argue you. But I will say White is a more sure thing of a prospect. Yep. 
and he was asked to do a little bit more in terms of covering in those. We've, we've talked about all this. I, I'm not going to repeat it anymore. That's your yeah. matchup for Mock Madness. Go vote. Be merry. Set up the final. And maybe we'll actually get a close vote when it's when Devin White wins this one. And Ed Oliver and Devin White. We'll see what the fans want. I think that's the interesting one, right? Well, I think White's I, I the think, I think White is the name. I think that that is likely. I think we can talk about it when it happens. Yes. We sure can, and that'll be tomorrow. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, uh, but we are going to take a moment before we go to that break to talk about our wonderful sponsor, Abco Safety, who is partnering with 3M with some really exciting offers on some new products that they've got coming out. And I'm going to let Joe talk about him because he works in a factory kind of setting right now. He works in an industrial setting, and right now I do not. It's been a long time since I worked with at all. Last time you worked at all. That, that, that's fair, Joe. So, so tell the good people about the, the new Protectra full body harness line. Yeah, and it's not just industrial. They also uh, uh, service foods, food safety also. So if you're in the food service industry, they have products for you. The one we're going to talk about is a 3M Protecta full body harness, and it's a line of them. And if you're like me, today I had to go up in a GLG, had to go 30 feet in the air. You, you need fall protection as per the code. You know how that can be, uh, wearing that harness, and it, it bunches up in areas you don't need it to. It doesn't feel very comfortable. And to be honest, if you did fall, I, th- I think I'd want to be comfortable as I'm dangling there by myself for 30 minutes, right? So if you know what I'm talking about, you want to check check these out. And even if you're uh, like me and you're just a regular worker that has to put these harnesses on, if you have a safety guy, go to him, show him these, go to abcosafety.com. Uh, check out and bring, show them this full protective body harness, and they it, you'll see it right there. It looks comfortable. It looks sleek. looks like it fits much better. It's got a D-ring on the back. It complies with ANSI Z359-11. It comes in four redesigned styles. That is the comfort construction style, standard construction style, comfort vest style, and standard vest style. So uh, go in there, pick what you want. Jake, how do they contact these guys? So if it's you or if it's the safety administrator at your job, you can get a 15% off your first order for anything, not just this product, but especially this product. If you call 513-672-1818 and mention the promo code LOCKEDONABCO, mention you heard about them on the Locked On Bengals podcast, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's again, 513-672-1818 and the code Locked on Abco. You can check out the website, abcosafety.com, get a feel for what they've got in their inventory, but you'll have to give them a call to get the discount. So if it's you or if it's your safety guy or girl, let them know, get that order in. You'll be supporting a local business. If you're local to Cincinnati, Abco is located in the Cincinnati area and you'll be supporting the podcast too in doing so. So make it happen, Bengals fans. We'll be right back after another quick break. We're going to get into our last mock draft of the 2019 season, we'll do our What Will the Bengals Do mock draft, informed by the Dave Lapham leaks that supposedly happened earlier today, whether or not they're leaks. Well, we'll find out in just a couple of days. Stick with us. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to our last mock, I almost said mock draft Monday, you know that, but welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This is our last mock that we're going to do, mock simulation, because we're there. We're we're at the end, man, and uh, I'm glad to not do these anymore, to be honest with you, but I do like that you guys have been sending them to us a lot, especially recently, and I, I enjoy looking at them, even if I don't always reply. Anyways, uh, so this is our goal for this one, and I don't think we've really done this. We've incorporated the idea, but... We're definitely going to draft at this point with what we think the Bengals will do. And the fun part about it is we get a new board on the fanspeak.com mock, and it's from Arif Hassan from The Athletic, and he put together a consensus board that took uh, the evaluators and the 
forecasters that that work in the draft community and put them together and this is what we have so which is fun for me and i think that's awesome and i can't wait to see how this is going to shake it out a little bit differently hopefully it's very close to how the draft is going to be or maybe our best representation of the draft or or what we should expect and this is what we think the bengals will do so now the bengals are on the clock with kyler murray obviously off the board josh allen off the board Devin White's gone. Montez Sweat is gone. Ed Oliver's gone. Jonah Williams is gone. That's one of the guys that Dave Lapham thinks that they're going to run to the podium for. And he goes number three. And talking to people today, they uh, also said number three, Jonah Williams, New York Jets. But Jets are trying to trade back. Sounds like Uh, desperately trying to trade back. Yes, because they like Jonah, but don't want to take him at three. But they will if they have to is what it sounds like. I see. So the Bengals options, based on what we know and what we think about the Bengals board right now, it, it sounds like it comes down to Devin Bush and most likely Andre Dillard with a case to be made for Jawan Taylor, who's also available here. Yeah, And, and then the other we, guy that you have to mention, because Dave Lapham has mentioned him a bunch, is Rashawn Gary. And I think we should be aware that uh, because now that the, it is out there, don't be surprised if a team jumps ahead of the Bengals for one of these tackles. And it, I know it, it, we may be speaking prematurely, but it is very well known what the Bengals will do, especially after Dave Lapham talks. But... Honestly, Jake, you've seen my Bengals board. I don't think it's much different. I don't. I don't think I'm going to tweak it based on what Lapham has said. And I think this still pick comes down to uh, Devin Bush. They, in their minds, they fill a need and get a player that I think is pretty high for them. Yeah, I think the only thing that might change, right, is where's Dwayne Haskins? I don't think they're on Dwayne Haskins at all anymore. Yeah, that's right. I had Haskins behind these guys because I've always made the case that quarterback goes on a separate board. Either you think he's the guy or you don't, and you don't take him. So it's not I that, don't think oh, they think he's the guy at this point. I don't think so either. And if that's the case, they're not taking Haskins. And it comes down to Juwan Taylor, Devin Bush, and Andre Dillard. I think they go with the need and come back because I, I do think this is a strong second tier for tackles in second round and linebacker it's not so if they were planning it out and being smart not only is bush near the top of the board he is also and i think he may even be the highest guy that's that on our board that's a reasonable pick for them here so yeah makes sense go bush yeah i think it's bush and i think that they don't think bush is going to be there at this point i don't think they're really going to consider a ton for tj hawkinson or even if an oliver's there i'm not convinced that they think about him I think Bush goes in at the 10 spot to the Broncos, and that's going to be – that's a talk recently, but it was also a talk a month ago. When I – I remember this, uh, talking to a Browns writer and podcaster – I'm sorry, Broncos, if I said Browns. Broncos uh, writer, podcaster. And when I put up a poll, it was, it was March 20th, I think I said, if the Bengals don't get white, do you feel like they're settling for Bush? And uh, a Broncos podcaster quoted it and said uh, – Actually, we're having the same discussion with the Broncos at 10. And I thought, wow, we may not get either of these guys at the time. And then now over the yeah. last month, it's really become pretty common knowledge that they that may happen. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they told him, you know what? Don't tell everybody what we're going to do this year. We want Devin Bush. Don't even mention the name. And if it comes up, say, I think he's gone. Right. But, I mean, he, he did mention the name. He said, obviously, they consider Bush if he's there. Uh the I thought the thing- key points, though, for Lapham, if we before we move on from Bush, is that he said it feels very split on Bush, and he and he talked about this with a few guys, and mm-hmm. he said uh, he said this about Haskins. He says it feels very fifty fifty to the people he talks to. One person says he's too small, five eleven, and that was a big issue. Uh, and another guy says, "Oh, I love him on tape. Those small guys pack some power with him, and he's a he's better than Devin White. He's the, he's the linebacker if you want one." So uh, I don't know what side that means. The Bengals probably fall on. I feel like they fall on the the they think he's good side because then he also talked about Haskins being people being 50-50 but he kept emphasizing the point of he should have went back a year he's got too many issues to work on that made me believe that's the side the Bengals are on. Yeah. You you kind of feel that way about it at this point and you read the stuff coming out about he's got some weird stuff going on with his dad. Some people, there are different sides to this. Some people think that the guy shouldn't have even posted it and that, you know, Dwayne Haskins Sr. thought it was off the record maybe. But regardless, there's something going on with his dad that's a little bit out of the ordinary, I'd say. The best thing about this, though, in the what will the Bengals do mock draft, because obviously that means this is what the rest of the league is going to do. The best thing about it is that the Pittsburgh Steelers take Drew Locke. 
Oh, awesome. That's a win-win. We just won two two uh, picks in this first round. All right, so let's get into the second round here. I think this will go more quickly than the what would we do because we're, we're not debating it. We're just saying, all right, well, this is what we think the Bengals are going to do. Yeah, and it really Bengals, doesn't come down to us. Now back on the clock here in the second round, lose out on Greg Little by one pick, who I think is someone they could certainly target in the second round. And I wonder where uh, Caleb McGarry is for them also, who went seventh pick. So other guys they brought in. Yeah, right. Seventh pick, second round. Other guys they brought in that were here, also Draymond Jones, uh, Dalton Reisner. I think they'd love if he's there. He went 32nd first round. So, yeah, they they miss out on a few linemen here. And and uh, also miss out on Dexter Lawrence, who has been connected with the Bengals by various individuals. Looking at the available tackles, Yadni Kajust and Titus Howard, I think that they would strongly consider Titus Howard here. What do you think? He doesn't pass the filter for. He doesn't the, pass the filter. Okay, right for the agility and stuff. So I would say no on Titus Howard, even though they brought him in. Like I said, there was a lot of guys they brought in that didn't pass their filters, and I think that's them either retesting or seeing. If there's more to it, sometimes when a guy doesn't pass your filter, and it doesn't even have to be athletic testing, it'd be a lot of things uh, uh, that that you value in the draft process. You will say, "Well, you know, he doesn't really do this well. He doesn't score here well. We got to talk to him and see if there's more to him, or see him up close in person and see if he can overcome this one issue." So I think that's what they're doing with a lot of these visits. So where are they going if it's not back What's to it? offensive tackle? What's the depth at defensive end and defensive tackle? I think that's where we can start to consider one of those guys also. At defensive uh, they brought end, in... they're probably considering Chase Winovich, and they brought in Ja'Kai Polite, which is what I think you were going to say next. I was going to say Jalen Ferguson. They also oh, brought in, and right. a lot of people are high on him as a top of the second-round pick. So I think Jalen Ferguson makes a lot of sense for them here. Yeah, looking at defensive tackle, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot. And I don't know that they're really considering defensive tackle early at this point after listening to the various no, podcasts No, I think it'll there. be a mid-round pick. And that's, yeah. that's where I think we're, I'm leaning for that. I do think they could pick. Honestly, I, I did like the way they talked about quarterback. Of He can see it at any spot. As long as the Bengals viewed it as a value pick. And here we are in round two. Is Will Greer the guy? Do they see him as a value pick at this spot? There is a chance Greer is valued in this range. For me, I think we look at this and we say... There really isn't a tackle there that that I think they'd value. I think we're going to lean more into the third round with that. Honestly, I, I'm not happy with the options that are remaining, but I do think Jalen Ferguson makes a lot of sense. I do think there is a potential for them to go a little bit off the board, and whoever their best player available is, they go with that. Do you think it's Ja'Kai Polite or Jalen Ferguson? They talk to both. I think Ja'Kai Polite's a little bit of a reach here, but I do think they would have interest. They normally spend that pick in the third round. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is the same thing you could say for Jalen Ferguson. He's the guy that didn't test well and fell down 27 times trying to do it. What was it? The the three cone? Then fine. I think both guys maybe may, might be viewed as a third round prospect instead then. I think this may be the, the opportunity where they take the Jesse Bates, where they go with the best player available. And if you look at the top of the board, uh, there's a couple guys that here that I think make a lot of sense. Debo Samuel fits their mold and they brought him in. They brought in Debo Samuel. Actually, that's a really good point. They brought in Debo Samuel and he could be... Really, really good. Yeah, I think Debo Samuel fits. I think he fits their average wide receiver draft pick. I think he's more of a slot guy, which fits the Zach Taylor offense. And this is where they go back on offense because they like to alternate picks a lot of times and uh, from offense, defense. And, yeah, this they, they can see this as best player available. We look at the consensus board here from Marie Hassan. Debo is number three on this board. And he's number 38 overall. The Bengals, of course, picking 42 in the second round. Looking at other players that they've brought in for a visit, Paris Campbell is there. He's 49th on the the consensus board here. But I think we can lean on the fact that they had a visit with Debo. They probably have him a bit higher than Paris Campbell. I think most do. That's what the consensus board here is telling us anyway. I do wonder, right, the consensus says that Debo's higher than Paris, but I do think there's a chance Paris goes higher than Debo, and the Bengals did have visits with him also. So I I tend to think guys that pass the filters, it's Debo Samuel. Let's go Debo Samuel here in the second round. It's an off-script pick, I think, but it's you can see it happen last year with Jesse Bates. It's their best player available. and it's They had a visit. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll lean on that history and we'll go Debo Samuel here because there's not a tackle that we think that they'll go for in the second round, missing on Greg Little by one pick. I think yep. there's a chance. I think there's a chance that they might still go for Titus Howard. Dave Lapham talked about him quite a bit. 
on the podcast today and especially in the sense that if he's there in the third round they would definitely go for him but yeah. Lapham is convinced that he's gone in the second round he says secrets out he just went 25th pick to the Philadelphia Eagles and like I said visits are important filters I'm not so sure I'm so strict on it but he didn't pass and they still brought him in so uh, I think they would have considered Titus Howard also and Paris Campbell goes all the way at the end of the round at the 32nd overall pick to the New England Patriots. And that's two picks for the Patriots now that are guys that I think the Bengals are considering in the tackled guard Dalton Reisner and now again Paris Campbell. So now we'll go into the third round. We'll see what the options are for the Bengals. They're going to be looking pretty desperately for tackle at this point. And looking at the remaining guys, is, is Chuma Adoga a better fit yeah. for, their, for their filter or is Max Sharping? Sharping is the ideal tackle based on their filter. And does uh, small school have any bearing on the filter here? You know, it hasn't. They have gone uh, in, in all different directions. And I, I wouldn't say USC is thought of much higher right now at that conference and the yeah, competition he's faced. Probably true. And, and Max Sharping did face – who was it? He faced some good pass. Brian Burns. Brian Burns. And he handled them pretty well. So looking at tackles – Max Sharping, Chuma Adoga, and higher on the consensus board is David Edwards of Wisconsin, who we've hardly talked about on this show because we're not very high on him. Looking around the other positions that the Bengals need, and we think they'll be targeting in the third round, tight end. Jay Sternberger is still there. Kahali Worrying is still there from San Diego State, who Dave Lapham mentioned today. Josh Oliver, who we like, is still there, but haven't heard that name linked with the Bengals. Sternberg is the only one they had a visit with, so I, I would circle him more. Yeah, uh, defensive so, tackle, Tristan Hill, is someone who fits their mold perfectly. Right. So if it is tight end, I think Jay Sternberger probably makes a lot of sense. Looking at edge guys, I mean, we've talked about Anthony Nelson a lot. We talked yeah. about Max Crosby a couple days ago. Do any of these guys hit the filters that stand out to yeah, you? Yeah, Nelson is the guy used for their filter of the big because they they have kind of two they have the big dn and they have the guys they've drafted recently which would be more in line with like a ben bonagu i think okay i think they need a tackle and i think they're going to take one here whether it's max sharping or chuma doga would be up in the air but if these are the guys that are available i think it's a tackle and the case for sharping in my opinion is that the tape against brian burns where he one-handedly uh if you have any questions about competition i think not only passing the filter but being almost the ideal and average guy that they pick at tackle but i also think it kind of reminds me of the rams taking rob havenstein a few years ago where it seemed like maybe a little bit of a reach they plugged him in and started him right away and he's been a good right tackle for them i could see the very same thing happening with max sharping and looking at the rest of the round here it looks like our tight end no jay sternberger did go at the 26th pick in the third round. So we'll see what's there for the Bengals in the third or in the fourth round here. Looks like we might've missed out on the quarterback too. We did. So the only quarterback they brought in for a visit was Ryan Finley and he has been drafted. Okay. And the other guy I thought they could have interested him was Jarrett Stidham. He was also drafted. Josh Oliver has been drafted. Who I really like Blake Cashman, who I learned today has had a visit with the Bengals, which is awesome. Yes. We just found that out today. So uh, that also is, is key, but he was drafted in the fourth round. So if they wanted to double dip at linebacker, the top names on the consensus board are Tavon Coney, Jelani Tavai, Drew Tranquil, Look Looking for Jelani Tavai to go much higher than this. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. it could potentially be late second round. Wow. I know. We don't have him graded. It's just what I heard. Really high on him. Sion Takitaki is also there amongst guys we like. And Ben Burkirvin, obviously. I think Ben Burkirvin might be there even later. Looking at the needs that they still have, though, maybe they're going to look at an edge guy, maybe a Ben Bonnegu here. Force player, Justice Mosqueda. And Shout one out. of four yeah, force that's players. It. and. Justice Mosqueda does excellent work on determining the, the force player threshold is what guys are going to be good pass rushers in the NFL. That is spot on, almost always. Yep, yeah, it's, it's a very good filter, and it lists four guys this year, one of them being Ben Bonagou, the other one's Montez Sweat, and who's been linked to the Bengals. So, yeah. um, And a tight end, Kahali, Kahali, Warrior yeah, is still right. there. It's a name that Dave Laffin mentioned. They do need a tight end, we think. And I think we could still look at defensive tackle. I think you can double dip on the, the O-line. I think you can double dip at linebacker. Um, so for me, I, I think more than likely this is where we start to look at 
quarterback, but I don't think there's a guy worthy of this pick. Honestly, I think they get in a situation. I think we could look at running back in round four. Is Miles Sanders still available? He sure is. Uh, he's the only running back they met with, and he's the one who was the most average running back that they've drafted uh, and passes all their filters. So I, I think that's interesting that he lines up right here in the fourth round from Penn State. Yeah, I think Miles Sanders has to be a real consideration at this point. And the only reason I keep going back to Waring is because Lapa mentioned him today. It was I kind of impressive. Waring goes higher than this, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, also that. Uh, we don't love him. Honestly, I think, uh, yeah, I guess he could be uh, the pick if we're trying to do it as the Bengals. That's the thing. We've got a few options here. Well, they didn't meet with enough tight ends to really make me think or have a feel for when that's going to happen. Uh, but. I do think meeting with Sanders being at the pro day also, plus uh, the linebacker double dip or potentially grabbing an edge guy makes a lot of sense. Tavon Coney is another guy that Lapham mentioned. Is the only reason that I mention him again is because Lapham said Tavon Coney in the third is a consideration. Man, that's a little rich for me. I hope that's not the case. We're here in the fourth, and he's still potentially there in the fifth. I don't think I don't know if we'll be there in the fifth. He is the top linebacker on the board we're using today. But I will say that the way he talked about him, smart guy, really productive, team leader, tackler, doesn't miss tackles really ever. He's a very good tackler. But he's yeah. slow. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. If he had speed to his game, he would be an easy day two, early day two prospect. And he's actually graded out really well in coverage, right, despite being slow. So one of the things we need is what? Coverage. Yeah. So looking at all the options here, it gets pretty tricky because you don't love any of them. Just missed out on Jamel Dean, the corner. Just missed out on Jermaine Pratt, Josh Oliver, Blake Cashman, Bobby Okarecki, even if you're talking about athletic linebackers. So you're looking at maybe the running back that they met with, who's the best player on this board. I think Miles Sanders might be too much value for them to pass up on in this spot. The other considerations are the linebackers we talked about, the tight end we talked about, and maybe if they're looking at corner, David Long is still there from Michigan, who Pro Football Focus, I'm pretty sure, absolutely loves. But yeah. in the interest of sticking with best player available, going for the value, I think it's Miles Sanders here. And then that's three picks in a row on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe they're looking at defense here coming back in the fifth. So Miles Sanders it is. Just strictly off of value, David Long goes in the very next pick. Ben Benaga goes two picks later. So those are the defensive guys we were considering. I mean, a lot of these guys... Kahale Waring, Daryl Henderson, Kiki King, Kingsley Kiki. Um, yeah, there's Lamont Galliard. We've talked about a lot of these guys that are disappearing now here at the end. Yeah, apparently we like a lot of the guys in the fourth round. There goes Max Crosby, another one we've talked about. Chris Drew Boyd, Tranquil. corner out of Texas, fits their profile very closely. And that's one that we talked about off the air very briefly there, and I said it's probably too early according to the consensus board, and the consensus board has proven me wrong. We're huh. going to take a quick break. They have... Seven picks left. We're through four picks. Somehow the back end of this draft is just so incredibly heavy with all those six rounders. And I really hope and think that they'll trade them at some point. Anyway, we'll be right back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back. We are in the fifth round. So far, to recap real quick, we went Devin Bush, Debo Samuel, Max Sharping, Miles Sanders, all guys that fit. And most of them had visits, uh, or at least 50-50 on the visits there. So uh, we're, I think we want to go back to the defensive side after going really with two skill position players and one offensive lineman. I think we need to come back and find a defensive line rotation guy, get a corner, maybe double dip at linebacker. So looking at linebacker, Tavon Coney still there staring us in the face. A few other linebackers did go off the board in the meantime, but... Tavon Coney still atop the consensus list. Bember Curvin gets closer as well as it's, Yon Takitaki. No, who we want here is Cody Barton out of Utah. Yeah, Perfect Cody fit, Barton. and they met with him. Uh, I think we should stay on that trend. Even though they met with, Co- with Tavon Coney, I think Cody Barton could be a uh, target for them. If they don't take a, a linebacker at 11, I think it could be Barton in the third round. 
And at this point, looking at tight end, do they look at the tight ends drying up and do they say we need to get one of these guys before we miss on everybody? I wonder who they like. For me personally, I love the guys that are sitting at the top here. Foster Morrow out of LSU and Drew Sample out of Washington. Two really good blockers. I think Sample is the best blocker in this draft. Both tested as they're wide tight ends, right? They're blockers. They're inline guys. Both tested way better than expected. I think there's upside there. Sample never dropped a pass at Washington. And I think when you watch Foster Morrow, there's a few touchdowns that you see and you go, he's got more to him. I, I like both these guys. Yep. So that would be four offensive players in a row. However, there is a bit of a drop-off after those two to Isaac Nauda, who did they meet with Nauda as well? No, I don't think they did. And and in fact, Nauda is probably undraftable based on they if they're going to take a guy, they got to run faster than a 4.75 at tight end. They've never drafted slower than that. Okay. So it's probably not going to be Nauda. It's probably not going to be any of these corners at this point too. I'm on board with Cody Barton here in the fifth round. I think that makes a lot of sense. He's lower on the consensus board, but he is the guy that I would take. I think even though the consensus board's lower, it's because he was a late riser, and, you know, if we had more time, he'd be a little bit higher. Oh, forgot to start the round. We'll see if he's still there. That's right. Your your guy, Tavon Coney, is going to be gone, and he is. That's what you get. Now you that's have not, to say That's not Cody my Martin. guy. Foster Moreau also gone. The Bengals pick 11th in the fifth round. An important note, after picking 8th, in the third yeah. and fourth, they're back to 11th because of the whole Be- back and forth thing. Yeah, it goes 11, 10, 9, 8, and then you're back to all the teams that also finished 7 and 9. What'd they finish? Was, was that what it was? What? What'd they finish? 7 and 9? 7 and 9. That makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cody Barton? Cody Barton. Cody Utah. Barton. We talked about this one quite a bit. Tell the you people two- a little bit about Cody Barton. Yeah, you're just getting two cover linebackers now. And I say this in terms of athleticism. Barton's actually more of a middle linebacker. So for me, Barton's your middle. Devin Bush is your weak side linebacker. You've got your two guys to go into the future because I think Barton's going to go much higher than this. And if he's still there in the fifth, it's a slam dunk pick. But you've got two athletes now. Uh, Barton was highly productive also. He grades out really high for us. Uh, I think he's an option for them much earlier. The Bengals are now missing out on pretty much all the tight ends in the draft. Drew Sample's gone as well. Isaac Nauta has even gone, that seems unlikely, but maybe. Maybe somebody is going to lean hard on the tape and say he plays faster than he looks. Maybe somebody has some, uh, was was he at the Senior Bowl? Nauta? No, I don't remember Nauta at the Senior Bowl. Okay, must not have been. I was going to say maybe somebody has that advanced, you know, speed, in, in-game speed data on him and knows that he's maybe faster than he ran. Maybe not. You got to stop talking about him now. His dad is on Twitter and he's an angry man. I'm not talking bad about him. Anything. Anything remotely negative. He'll find you. All right. Don't talk about Isaac Nata. Ben Burkirvin goes 534 to the Atlanta Falcons. Gary Jennings. My guy. Who, what was the metric we were, I was looking at that really he likes Gary pass. Jennings. Not, oh, not a say. Bengals metric, but a, I don't remember what article it was. It was talking about the Contested. things that matter for wide receivers. Catching in contested situations, he was really high on. So I, I'm assuming it's that. It wasn't that. It was an analytics kind of article. I, I don't remember what exactly it was. But anyway, one of Joe's favorite wide receivers for the late rounds. He's off the board as well. And the Bengals might look at drafting a receiver here. It's just that so far the positions they've drafted. They did draft a receiver. Sorry. So far the positions we've drafted on their behalf are linebacker, receiver, tackle, and running back. I'd really like to get a DB or an edge. Stay with defense with this. This is where we got the meat of the day three picks. Uh, and so I, I think it, it, this is where we should come back to it and look at it again. So who do they like out of these corners, Joe? Do any of them fit the profile? None of them really do. None of them jump out. I think Amon Marshall does the most out of USC. He fits. He was one of the guys that was real close. I mentioned Boyd earlier at corner. Amon Marshall is another one that fits. And how about Corey Ballantyne, small school corner from Wabur- Washburn? Oh, come on. You're disrespecting Washburn. I know All the Washburn, Washburn listeners out there. Apologies, Washburn listeners. Corey Ballantyne is the top of the consensus board. Does he fit the cornerback profile? He does. 5'11", 196. His uh, relative athletic score is really high. He ran a 4.47, which puts him faster than what they normally like. 39-inch vertical, uh, 135 on the broad jump, three cones, 6'82". Remember, they drafted a D2 guy last year in this spot. And in, in fact, they've done a few of them. Corey Lindsay, if you remember, like eight, nine years ago, was also in this range of the sixth round. Uh, so I don't think this is out of the norm for them to take a corner from a smaller school in this spot. 
And then they're back on the board right away at 625. Looking at the options, it looks like they miss out on the guard from Clemson, Mitch Hyatt. But Hjalte Froholt, our guy, is still there. Ryan Bates is still there. I think Bates fits a lot, too. Uh, Normally because they like the agility, and I think he passed it. So is it Bates? Is it is this the time they pull the trigger on Albert Huggins? They brought him in for a visit, the Clemson backup defensive tackle. That's right. Um, I think you could go D-line here. We haven't yet. It just really hasn't fallen to us. And I think the Bengals would like to go D-line in somewhere. I think Michael Dogby fits from Temple based on athleticism and size of what they normally pick. A guy that's more close to their average guy at 6'2 and 305 range. Uh, so for me, I think Dogby... Makes a lot of sense. Dogby was two eighty four. Isn't he a little bit light? Oh man, I'm sorry. You're right. He did play it uh, much later. He would be lighter than what they normally take. But I was gonna say Huggins did not pass the athleticism stuff they normally. And D tackle was probably the strongest one they had. And they brought in they brought in a bunch of guys that just don't that aren't above yeah. their usual filters. Maybe their filters are different this year. Who knows? It, it's very possible. What about quarterback? Are they going to take Gardner Minshew here, the most accurate quarterback in the draft? Yeah, but a lot of short throws, right? I think they'd rather go upside a little bit, and that's Jordan Te'amu. One-year starter, but had a high-end production. If you're going to take a day-three guy, it might have been. It's, it's completely him. Well, is he a guy that can play this year? No. Trayvon Wesco, we talked about being too slow for the normal picks at the position, so it's probably Ryan Bates. He fits the profile. Yeah, if Ryan Bates fits, and would give them a, a backup developmental guard. We've got a lot of picks here. So we, and the thing is, too, when we see the outliers of what they normally don't pick, it happens in these last couple rounds. So we should be open also to guys that maybe don't always fit but could be uh, someone to round out the end of the roster. So when I look at it, like, is Trevon Wesco still there at tight end? They never pick a guy that's slow, but they could probably use him. And, and at the end of the sixth round, maybe it's like, well, he's probably the best tight end available. At least he can block. Right. So is there any now you take an Albert Huggins at defensive line because again he doesn't exactly fit. So we're taking Trevon Wesco tight end. I think he's a wide tight end. I think he's maybe the second third best blocker in this draft at tight end. And uh, so it makes sense to me as, as they need a Y guy even though he's slower than what they normally want. And then we come back at the very next pick and we take Albert Huggins, the defensive lineman that they've had a meeting with. Even though, again, he doesn't necessarily hit all of those thresholds that Joe's written about and done a lot of work on, he's a player that they met with. He's at this point, at the end of the sixth round, you know, you feel okay about the value. And then they come back with their last pick in the round. And we're looking at maybe there's an edge guy they like late that, that we haven't picked an edge guy yet. I don't see... Porter Gustin is the guy you want to take a chance on. I just don't know how they feel about him. And why would you take a chance on Porter Gustin? Can you expand on that for us? Yeah, he had good testing also and good production. He, But uh, I believe he didn't have as much experience. I don't think he was a combine invite. Uh, yes, he was. I'm sorry. Porter Gustin. Okay, so let me let me pull it up real fast. 6'4 and a half, 255. Uh, so in the range, they normally like a little bit heavier than that. 33-inch arms. He ran a 4.69, which is great. 35 and a half inch vert. Had a 119 broad jump. And he benched. Yeah, this is what the Bengals are going to love. 31 times on the bench. Oh, they love bench bench price. They love the bench. <laughs> Is that enough to sell you on making the pick for Port Augustine? Port Augustine. Bench press here. The second USC player. Nope, first USC player. Yeah, because we talked about maybe taking him on Marshall at, at corner. And apparently I went to... Oh, no. Here we go. Seventh round. You ready? Final pick. This is how I actually feel in the seventh round in the real draft. So I guess this consensus word is about right. I'm not excited about the names that are left. And I'm ready to take Jordan Te'amu. He's the top of the consensus board. He's a quarterback. The Bengals want a quarterback. He's a developmental guy. You see anyone in here that they would be interested in? You know, there's a lot of names, too, for late guys that I got to go over when I uh, when I finish doing this here. Guy, Oh, there's our man, Darwin Thompson. But yeah, no, I don't we, already, think we, already drafted our, we already drafted our running back. Uh, let's see. Yashua Nijman is a really athletic developmental tackle prospect that could be worth a seventh round pick. What about any of those, uh, Villanova tackles in this board? I do not believe so. Yeah, I don't think they are either. 
Henri Saint-Amour would be another one here that I would look for, but he's not. He didn't make the consensus big board cuts either. Yeah, this is a pared down board. We really had limited options here when we got to the sixth round. Uh, but we're just kind of getting out of here and punting the football. Take Jordan Tayamu. Jordan Tayamu goes out, lining up at punter for some reason for the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. This one might be a trick play. Tayamu, if you remember, Ole Miss was a runner. And a quarterback. And there it goes. It's a fake punt. Who would have saw this coming? And the Rams did a lot of fake punts. You're onto something. There we go. We figured it out. We figured out the connection. That's why they wanted him. All right. So here is your recap of the what would they do. This is us playing the part of Duke Tobin in the Cincinnati Bengals front office. Devin Bush at 11. We took Devin Bush over a couple of tackles there. We took him ahead of Cody Ford, ahead of Jawan Taylor, ahead of Andre Dillard. All players that we think the Bengals are at least tangentially interested in, if not very interested in. In the second round, we come back and select, on behalf of the Bengals, Debo Samuel after just missing on Caleb McGarry and Greg Little. In addition to players they brought in for visits in Draymond Jones and players they've been linked to in Dexter Lawrence, Debo Samuel was one of the higher players on the board, a player that the Bengals did bring in for a visit. And we picked him over guys like Chase Winovich and Ja'Kai Polite, who were other edge guys that we think they might have considered at that point. Also, Jalen Ferguson, another edge guy who they had him for a visit. In the third round, we decided at this point they're probably desperate for an offensive lineman. And so we grab a guy that perfectly fits their historic profile and also is somebody that Joe and I really like. Maybe that colored our pick a little bit, and that's Max Sharping from Northern Illinois. In the fourth round, then we're looking for a tight end, but we just missed. We're looking for a linebacker double dip, but we just missed on Blake Cashman, who it turns out the Bengals did have a meeting with. The guys that we just missed the tight end are Dawson Knox, Josh Oliver, and I think in the middle of the round, yeah, Jay Sternberger went late third. So looking at yep. the best player on the board, it was Miles Sanders, another guy that the Bengals worked out at his pro day, had a meeting with, a, li- a running back that they're really interested in. And in the fourth round, I could see that being too much value for them to pass up if they think Miles Sanders is one of the best viewed backs in the draft, as we do. I think we have him at number three. Yep, that's right. So that makes sense for us. Coming back then in the fifth round, Cody Barton is the picket linebacker. And this is over guys like Drew Sample having just missed on Foster Moreau, the tight end. And Tavon Coney, the linebacker, who I think probably goes before the fifth round. But in this draft, he went at 5-6. I think someone will see his productivity and his leadership and overlook the speed and take him anyway. It seems like that always happens. But as I Cody like both Barton, of these linebackers go a little bit higher than that. Yeah, and if Cody Barton's gone, maybe at this point it's Ben Burkirvin, who is a favorite of this podcast. He actually went in the fifth round as well, 20-some-odd picks later. Then we come back on the clock in the sixth round, and at this point things are looking pretty thin. And I think this is a good representation of what actually happens during the draft. We get to the sixth round, and at the top of the sixth round, maybe there's a few guys you still really like, and you see them as fallers, and you're like, oh yeah, let's hope that they really go after their, and they, and they pick, I don't know, Hamp Cheever, Sion Takitaki, and those were guys that won the sixth round of this draft. We end up picking a small school corner that really fits their profile in Corey Ballantyne. We think that a corner is a likely pick at some point in this draft, even if it's a developmental guy, and we point to the recent history of taking some small school guys in the sixth round. To round out the sixth round, it's Ryan Bates, the guard from Penn State, leaning on his three-cone athleticism, his agility being pretty solid, something to lean on. Trayvon Wesco and Albert Huggins are two of the compensatory six-rounders. Those are guys that don't quite fit the profile, but are probably among the best players available at their position at this point in time. We're passing on the late-round quarterbacks until we come back and take Te'amu in the seventh. But Wesco is a guy that was a really good blocker, and Huggins is another one that they had a visit with. And if there's a guy they had a visit with available at the end of the sixth round, I feel like you've got to take him. Yeah, you can pencil that in when that happens. The last pick in the sixth round was Porter Gustin, athletic defensive end from USC. So that rounds out the what would they do draft. Joe, what grade do you give us as the Bengals here in the what would they do version of the mock draft? You know what? With the issues the defense had last year, I'd have some concerns that really it's just Devin Bush and then the next one being Cody Barton. So two linebackers. So you addressed your weakest need, but I do think they have some depth issues on the defensive line at times, and I'd still like a corner that could be developed a little bit earlier than the sixth round. So 
Uh, I would be a little bit negative towards that, but I do think getting Max Sharping would be awesome. Getting Debo Samuel would be fun. I think getting Miles Sanders in the fourth, I like way more than taking a a um, guy they took last year in the fourth round who was already off the team. So, and I'm already forgetting his name, right? So that's how quickly that went. Anyways, I think I'd give it a B plus. They got their target and a knee position and a guy I really like in Devin Bush at the top. And they come through and they go about their business and they get more talented at, at key positions, whether that's wide receiver, uh, at tackle, and definitely at linebacker, spending two of their first picks there. Yeah, I think what really gets us to a B-plus to me, instead of just a solid B, is Demo, Debo Samuel and, and Max Sharping. Those are the right. best picks in this draft for me. I think Devin Bush is a fine pick at 11, but I think just linebacker at 11 is, is never thrilling. Even if Devin Bush... Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Devin Bush, you know, turns out to be the the top eight guy that you guys pegged him at. The ten, the the six of you, the five of you on uh, Josh Norris's podcast. podcast. Yeah, the Rotor World podcast. You're right. We ended up putting him in the top ten. Uh, it's funny because Lap talking about Andre Dillard. Also, he was number eight for us in on the top ten. So both guys will be seen as value picks in my if the Bengals share the same opinion that we formulated. Yeah. So looking at it that way, then you can say the first three rounds are really good. And then you look at the sixth round and you're like, oh, man, is that what six round picks actually get you? And that's I'm not what it should that, look like. I, 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 that's what I was getting to is like that. That's what the reality is. Right. Like if you look at the what would we do version of the sixth round, we got a bunch of guys that we think are going to be gone maybe in the fourth, fifth round. Right. And that's probably not realistic. Now, the thing is. There's always somebody that drops. There's going to be somebody that we have talked about in the second or third round there in the sixth when we get there Saturday. And we're going to say, take this guy. And we're going to be drunk by that point on Saturday. And we're going to sound stupid. And that guy's not going to get drafted at all. But point being is they're going to take a lot of people on day three that I've never watched. And that excites me because I want to watch new players. And then they're going to go out and sign Henri St. Amour as a priority free agent. Lock it in. Lock it in. Speaking of Locked On things, this has been the Locked On Podcast brought to you by Abco Safety, our wonderful new sponsor. Thank you so much for that. And I hope you guys go check them out or tell your safety admin about it. Give them a call. That is 513-672-1818. Mention Locked On Abco. Mention you heard about them on the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Get yourself a 15% discount on some sweet new safety swag. How's that for alliteration for you? Love it. This has been the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, the day before the draft. I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll run around and scream like little girls for a half hour. We just want Christmas to come already. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.